today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The big news, of course, uh, that uh, seemingly the whole world was waiting to hear one way or another. Uh, Kamala Harris is in as the vice presidential candidate uh, to run with Joe Biden on the Democratic ticket. And uh, she, of course, has had a, had a very, very high profile over the last little while. And uh, a lot of folks... Well, put it this way, I have some pretty strong opinions, but uh, Kamala Harris herself, well, she thinks she's in the right place at the right time. I am supporting Joe because I believe that he is a man who has lived his life with great dignity. Um, he is a, a public servant who has always worked for the best of who we are as a nation, and we need that right now. There is so much at stake in this election, guys. So what kind of an impact will the uh, Kamala Harris uh, candidacy have on this U.S. election? Joining us to talk about this is uh, Richard Painter. Richard is uh, S.W. Walter Ritchie, Professor of Corporate Law at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. Uh, Professor, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could join us today. Well, absolutely. Uh, Glad to join you. Well, let's talk a little bit about the impact that Kamala Harris has had on this campaign, uh, going all the way back to, uh, to when she was a Democratic uh, running for the presidency herself. Uh, she butted heads with Joe Biden, uh, and a lot of folks thought, well, that pretty much precludes any chance of these guys getting together on the same team, but here they are. Well, actually, but she's a very good debater. Uh, she made way, you know, one or two strategic uh, mistakes, I think, uh, in terms of what, uh, you know, what she was going to go after Joe Biden on. Uh, which, uh, you know, fell flat. But uh, the bottom line is she's an extremely good debater uh, and very intelligent. Uh, and uh, she's obviously going to do very well uh, against uh, Vice President Pence. Uh, so I, I think that she's an excellent choice. She has a, a distinguished career as a prosecutor and as a United States senator and uh, is extremely articulate. Uh, so uh, she's a very good match. Joe Biden, he's a, he's a big boy. He's not going to uh, uh, get all worked up about uh, something she said in the, in the debates. And, and he came out on top. So let her be the vice president and, and see how this goes. Professor, did the pundits put too much uh, onus on, on those comments that get made during those early debates? I mean, if you want to go back about four and a half years or so, uh, when the Republicans were trying to find a, a, a nominee for president, uh, people like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and others said some horrific things about Donald Trump. That, by the way, turned out to be true, but, but those, they're, they're, that's two of his strongest allies now. I mean, politics is, is rather weird that way. Well, yes, uh, politics is weird that way, but the, the difference here is that uh, you know, there really wasn't much of a legitimate criticism of Joe Biden, what he had done in the 70s, and to try and rework what, how we all responded to the various crises of the 70s, uh, and, and school busing, forced busing, just that everybody was against anyway. Uh, but that's not the way to respond to uh, the crisis of Donald Trump being in the White House in 2020. It's the focus on what we've got going on right now. So. Uh, you know, I think that was a mistake for Kamala Harris, but uh, there's no way that uh, Joe Biden would ever hold that against her. Uh, you know, she's extremely articulate. She understands the issues today, and uh, she'll be very, very good uh, vice president, potentially a, a good future president. We're learning more about Kamala Harris. I think, you know, when she was a, a presidential candidate, we certainly... Was, were taken, I, I think, by her her presence that, and and of course, as you say, her her performances as a as an attorney general in California and certainly as a senator. Uh, I, I got to tell you, Professor, we take a little pride in that because apparently, I just found out this morning she went to high school in Montreal. 
Uh, her mother had took a, a position at McGill University there for about five years, and that's where she went to high school. So uh, there's a little bit of Canada, I guess, in Kamala Harris. Maybe that's why she, she seems to be attracted to so many people these days. But let, let's talk about her performances uh, in what is going to be a rather contentious uh, race, uh, the, the, the Trump-Pence team versus the Biden-Kamala Harris team. Uh, I must have seen a hundred times last night on different news networks uh, that now famous clip of uh, Senator Harris uh, grilling uh, Bill Barr uh, at his uh, confirmation hearing and uh, looking very prosecutorial. But you're going to need that sort of an attitude in in this kind of a race, aren't you? Well, absolutely. That's what that's what we do need. We need somebody who's going to zero in on uh, what's fundamentally wrong with this administration. Uh, and Kamala Harris is perfect for that. I mean, one of the problems with the Democratic debates is they were all just talking their views on issues all the time, all trying to get to the left of the other person in order to uh, uh, take it away from Joe Biden. Uh, And I think a lot of voters tuned out on that. Uh, The the key issue here is regardless of your views on issues, whether it's health care or whatever, there's something fundamentally wrong with the Trump administration and the way they are approaching uh, their job in politicizing the Department of Justice under Bill Barr and the way they lie about essential facts. That needs to be the message here. And Kamala Harris is the perfect person for that message. And too little of it came out in the Democratic debates. But it's going to come out in these debates. And, and I think she's going to be very effective. And Bill Barr is the poster child for abuse of power in, in the cabinet of Donald Trump. Uh, everything he's been doing, from counter-investigations that are destroying our intelligence community, uh, to uh, his uh, intervening in prosecutions, Roger Stone and Michael Flynn, uh, his handling of the Russia investigation. Uh, Tamla Harris is a perfect person to take him apart. Well, and she's got a track record. We mentioned the, the situation with Bill Barr during the confirmation hearing. Actually, her first speech... Uh, on the Senate floor uh, was to, to give us her comments about Betsy DeVos, who was the uh, education uh, secretary, of course, that Trump had put in place there. And basically, talk, she went on a great length about how unqualified she was. I mean, uh, her, Betsy DeVos's claim to fame is she's a neighbor of Donald Trump's down in Florida. It doesn't have a whole lot else going in education. And, and that seemed to set the tone for Kamala Harris. And I'm, I'm sure that's the tone she's going to carry through this campaign. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she's going to zero in on the incompetency, the selfishness, the corruption conflict of interest uh, of this administration. And whether you got Betsy DeVos, who's a billionaire, who doesn't even believe in public education. She just focuses on right-wing uh, so-called religious education and, and various niche uh, uh, elements. Uh, and she has no business running the Department of Education. Uh, we've got a Treasury Secretary who just made a killing of the 2008 financial crisis while everyone else is getting thrown out of their homes. Uh, and, uh, you know, who caters to speculators. Uh, uh, it goes on and on and on, and Kamala Harris is going to be able to take these people apart one by one, all the way up uh, to the man who's in charge, uh, and and take on Donald Trump. So, uh, I think that prosecutorial instinct that she's got is going to be extremely helpful, and uh, uh, you know uh, she's going to be much much better than in the Democratic debate. For as I say, I think they were all just trying to be more politically correct than the other person, and uh, they weren't really focusing on Trump. Once she focuses on Trump, uh, he's in a heck of a lot of trouble. Professor, how important is the VP role? I mean, when people actually go to the polls, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, uh, do they vote for a VP to get, or is it, is it the person on top that actually will attract or not attract the voters? 
Well, I, I think having a very good VP is important. Uh, we all remember what happened to John McCain, who yeah. was an extremely good Republican candidate. Uh, and he chose Sarah Palin, who was just a uh, really pretty pathetic uh, vice presidential choice. Uh, and it dragged that campaign way down in 2008 and uh, helped put up, uh, President Obama in the White House. Uh, we've had very powerful vice presidents. I was in the Bush administration as the chief ethics lawyer in 2005 to seven, and we all know that Vice President Cheney had uh, uh, perhaps more than the usual influence of a vice president around there. Uh, and then we've had vice presidents have uh, the more traditional role, and that's what I think Vice President Biden did during the Obama years, uh, of giving very serious input on policy, but letting the president, uh, you know, drive the car. Um, you know, I, I think there's a range of different approaches with vice presidents. Uh, and I, I think Kamala Harris would fit the more traditional model of giving input on policy, uh, but letting Joe Biden be in charge. And uh, she's younger. If she wants to run for president in the future, I mean, there could be plenty of opportunities. Let's talk a little bit, since I've got you, and I'm so glad you had some time for us today, Professor, uh, about voting in and of itself. There's, uh, there's somebody new running the Postal Service down there these days, uh, another Trump appointee, who essentially seems to be uh, tearing the whole system apart and making it very, very difficult, if not impossible, for uh, mail-in voting, which has been around since the Civil War, but uh, all of a sudden apparently it's a bad thing and it's uh, leading to corruption, according to Trump. Uh, but he's got his finger on the button right now. What, what kind of an impact is that kind of an attitude going to have uh, when it comes to mail-in voting, which is probably going to take on even more significance now uh, because of COVID, and people are, may not feel safe actually going, standing in line for five hours to vote. It's a serious problem, uh, and this is something I'm, I'm looking at right now with a group of experts uh, with the Center for uh, Ethics and the Rule of Law at the University of Pennsylvania, and there we could have a program on on voting and interference with elections in September. And bottom line here is that uh, the president's effort to dismantle the post office and discourage mail-in voting um, is obviously politically driven. Uh, we know that the Republicans uh, support mail-in voting when they think they're going to win. In Alaska, they sent out uh, mail-in ballots to people over 65, I believe. And they also would vote Republican. Uh, so this is obviously politically driven. Uh, and to destroy the Postal Service um, and discourage mail-in voting is a fundamental threat to our democracy. There is very little risk of fraud and mail-in voting if it's handled correctly, uh, and that needs to be a top priority, and I've urged that. I, I think that uh, a number of experts in the field have made it very, very clear uh, that uh, particularly COVID-19 and everything, uh, we're not going to have a legitimate election unless there is a mail-in voting and there's access to mail-in voting and those ballots arrive on time. Uh, and the post office, to have it run by a Trump donor uh, who wants to basically shut everything down through November 4. I mean, that's not going to be accepted. Do American voters understand the hypocrisy when Trump says that uh, that mail-in voting is going to lead to fraud? And he does, uh, but he himself is going to be well. He says absentee voting because he obviously his residence is Florida and he's not going to be there for the vote. So he's he says that's okay. Well, how do you think the absentee ballot gets there? It gets mailed. I mean, it's it's the same process. It's just it's good for him, but not good for anybody else. Yeah, everybody knows what's going on. He wants people to vote for him to vote. Everyone else to be intimidated, staying home. So. He wants people not to send in their mail-in ballots, and then uh, come November, he's going to spread fear through particularly the urban areas, uh, you know, that if you're uh, in an urban area, you're a minority or uh, whatever, that if you go to the polls, you're going to get COVID-19. 
uh, and so get everyone to stay home. I mean, that's what he wants to do, suppress the vote. And once again, to uh, take over the U.S. Postal Service and, and destroy that from within, uh, have a Trump star in charge, and then try to put pressure on the states not to have mail-in voting. Uh, it, it's a fundamental threat to our democracy. And so we have a lot of people are focusing on this right now. It's very serious uh, and needs to be confronted. Well, I, I'm looking at voter turnout, and that's always the key thing on election night. I'm I'm one of these guys that stays up all night, and I might well be doing that again on November third uh, to try to determine what's going on. But there are some a lot of disenchanted people, and many disenchanted Republicans uh, that have turned their back on Trump. Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, because I remember, well, historically, of course, you had what they called Reagan Democrats, people that were disenchanted with the Democratic Party and decided to vote for Ronald Reagan, even though they were still Democrats. Are there Biden Republicans out there that, in this um, upcoming election that just, just want Trump out of there? I mean, I, I look at uh, f- f- commentators like, well, David Frum, Bill Kristol, George Will, so many others who are, let's face it, small-c conservative and oftentimes Republican members and supporters uh, who have just quite out said, look, we got to get this guy out of here. Uh, the Lincoln Project, of course, is a movement of Republicans and small-c conservatives that are trying to get rid of Trump. How, how powerful is that movement? Oh, it is very powerful. I mean, the people such as myself, I, mean, I was a Republican for 30 years. Uh, I got out of the Republican Party in 2018. I, I just could not stomach it anymore. Uh, I'm more of a moderate Republican than in the old days. They would have called me a liberal Republican, a moderate. But uh, then there's the arch conservatives, such as George Conway, my law school classmate, uh, who helped launch the Lincoln Project. Uh, uh, much to the uh, dismay of his wife, Kellyanne, there. Uh, <laughs> George and his friends are very conservative, much more conservative in many respects than I would be. Uh, but they also have turned on Trump because he's a threat to our security. I mean, uh, when I first met George, we would sit around and talk about the dangers of the Russians trying to infiltrate our government uh, and uh, uh, the fact that we're ignoring. Uh, the dangers from the Russians. Back when we were in law school in the 1980s, well, what's going on now? you got the Russians infiltrating the government, and the Attorney General, instead of going after people collaborating with the Russians, is going after the people who blew the whistle on it. Uh, this is a uh, to our democracy. It's going to be fascinating to watch, and uh, the lead-up to it now with Kamala Harris on the team and, and and uh, her uh, attitude and, and, and the, the, I think the, the, the talent that she brings to the race here. Uh, when you look at it, there was a, so, some pretty talented folks and some very qualified people that were on that short list. But was it inevitable, Professor, that it was going to be Kamala Harris? Well, yeah, this is very good, too. I, mean, I was always a fan of Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. She's much more liberal on some issues than I am, but I think I was always a fan of her analytical ability. She's a candidate. I thought I, you know, I supported for for the presidency, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of talented people out there. There could be a time for Elizabeth Warren also in the future. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're getting old, have older and older presidents. People hopefully keep you healthy in their older years. And <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of time still left for someone like Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and uh, there's some other talented candidates, too. But eventually you got to choose one, and then you got to choose a number two, and you got to go, got to get in there. It's, uh, it's going to be quite the race, uh, and it kicks into gear, of course, now uh, with the convention starting next week and uh, the Republican convention, wherever that's going to be and wherever he's going to make a speech from. But we'll pr- sure talk about that uh, once we get some uh, clearer facts about that. Professor, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you Take so care. much. You betcha. That's uh, Professor Richard Painter, of course, from the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. Uh, things ramping up in the U.S. Uh, presidential election. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.